0: You're listening to the PR Wind Down Podcast, the show for public relations professionals who are ready to see real change in the PR industry. We are your hosts, April White and Laura Schooler. Let's get ready to wind down. Are you feeling ready for chit chatting? (laughs) I'm a little tired, April. Tired from what? I hope this is a good backstory.
1: You know, just living the life of a PR consultant.
0: (laughs) Okay, so does this mean you didn't get enough sleep? Does this mean. Yeah, and the reason
1: why I didn't get enough sleep is because I got in late and then my cat woke me up early. So.
0: Okay, why did you get in late? That's some more interesting than now, the Well, the catwalk there's
1: a lot of traffic. <laughs> well, traffic you know what? Actually, and, huh. so the Pixies, if you're familiar with the band, yes. were playing at the Stone Ponies outdoor venue, which is like a whole block outside, but it's fenced in. But it's yeah. just fenced in. It's an open air thing. So you can stand one foot outside the fence and hear the whole show. You could see it was packed inside. And then like half the town of Asbury Park or the shore was like out on the streets, on the boardwalk, even on the beach behind the boardwalk. There's some grass knolls. and like I've never seen so many people stealing a show from the Stone Pony before. So we stole a little bit of the show. And then I was like, I got to get out of (laughs) here. I got to get out of here. And there's a bar like up high that you could actually see the show. Yeah. Even though you're not paying. So that was packed. So, yeah, I was like, I got to get out of here before this is over. It takes four hours to get home. Right. Two people trying uh, to leave. 2,000 people are trying to get out of here at the same time. Be that as it may, it was the most traffic I've seen all summer last
0: night, even though I left before that show was over. It was bad. I mean, this is a way better story than your initial story. Where's your spin? Where's your PR PR at? (laughs) I'm tired. There was traffic. you have to be motivated to. Why was there traffic? Why were you out late? I feel like I just had to, you know, talk to know. a teenage daughter and like, <laughs> ask her how her how- day great. was. At how was school?
1: <laughs> Good. What'd you do? Nothing. That's exactly
0: what just happened. Did
1: you learn anything? Not really.
0: How's your teacher? Fine.
1: Did you make any friends? I don't know that's exactly what just, <laughs> what just that's how i normally am i oh put it on gosh. for for the show no i am oh um... my gosh
0: <laughs> oh my gosh that's so funny what else my was... dad your dad's Laura. calling <laughs> hi laura's dad what'd he do if you answered on the podcast and i started yelling at him it wouldn't work so well with your headphones. No,
1: he wouldn't be able to hear. He would be confused, probably. Yeah, okay, that's
0: not nice. It was but funny in my head until you said that. I know, I know. He would be confused. Did, does he have an anonymous PR horror story to call in with? My dad's got a, some great
1: work stories. Mostly he's a positive guy. Things don't get to him. And mm-hmm. he also is very sarcastic, so he'll come off like he thinks he's the greatest thing in the world. Okay. There's not a lot of bad stories in his life because he just doesn't see the world that way i love that i know but he does have some, a good story they were basically trying to get rid of him at, a, at one of his jobs and so you know this is old this is like 80s or maybe early 90s at the latest they would like raid each employee and my dad is nothing if not very concerned about his wardrobe all the time and they told him that, that his wardrobe or, the way he dressed at work was below average. It was just, it was so like, really? You should see the other guys who did the job that he did wearing polyester pantsuits, basically, you know? It was really funny. So it was totally clear when they did that, that it was a total hatchet job. And then he ended up getting the job back years later at a much higher title and salary. But for him! Yeah, so here's the lesson to everybody. My dad's career went from, you know, middle, middling in the middle, and then when he was like 58 or 59 years old. Middling. The best of his career started right before he was 60. I love that.
0: Mm-hmm. So. These things can happen. Yep. I think sometimes maturity brings out talents in people that they haven't fully explored or realized yes. before. We have Andrea in our waiting room. Are you ready for her? Okay, I'm should ready. We let her, should we let her in? Yes. Okay. Open Sesame. Here it comes. So our guest today is Andrea Holland. She's the founder and CEO of Dialed PR and of RemotePRJobs.com. She's also a PR author for LinkedIn Learning. And today she's here with us to discuss key trends in PR, PR advice, things that she might want to call it for startup brands, especially those that are VC-backed. And I'm also curious to talk to her a little bit about the RemotePRJobs.com and what that is bringing to the table in terms of the new gig economy, et cetera. So, welcome to it. Andrea. Hi.
2: Hi there! Thank you so much for having me. <laughs>
0: yeah, so great to have you. Laura already has her mouth open with yeah, a question, I pregnant um... <laughs> with a question. She's, it's like it's like she couldn't even get through the intro without the open mouth. Okay, Laura, let's hear it. I have looked at
1: remote PR jobs many times. I might even be. Mm-hmm a member. Anyway, she's, I just want. to. She's looking right now that. to see.
0: I, am looking like, right. I know, I know. <laughs> Wait, do you know um, who she
2: is? Laura, I know you were for a while. I don't know if you currently were, but I know oh, you definitely right, were I for a while. Right.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> A um, lot of the time. I mean, a lot of the time it's not really meant to be something that you're on for years and years and years, because the point of it is it you f- you're finding work, well. you know what I mean? And so yeah. it's like, we have freelance opportunities, we have part-time and we have full-time, but they're all remote.
0: Yeah. And, it, and it's only for independent contractors, right? It wouldn't be for small agencies, boutique agencies, et cetera. It's just for individual practitioners. We see
2: both. We see oh, okay. both. So it's kind of a double-sided marketplace in the sense that we have a lot of small agencies and brands that are posting on the list because they're looking for PR support because a lot of the people that are on the list are kind of like solo practitioners who, you know, have a have a small agency or they just have one or two contractors with them, right? Now on yep. the flip side, you've got agencies that are also looking for deal flow. So it's kind of mm-hmm. you know, a very similar audience for both that and they kind of serve each other. Super interesting.
0: Where, what's the backstory on, on where that came from?
2: Right, right. I was pretty young when I left and started consulting. I mean, I guess young in the consulting world. I was, I was 29, almost 30 years old. And I did it because I had a big kind of life change, life move. And the place that I ended up going to, there just wasn't a lot of tech. There weren't many PR agencies at this small town I was in, in California. Um, but there were a lot of, you know, startups that needed PR support. Mm -hmm. So when I started consulting, I was very, very lucky that like I was able to corner a very niche market, like very quickly and get a lot of business. And also I had spent 10 years in Silicon Valley. So I had a large network through that. So throughout my consulting career, a lot of my work came through word of mouth and networks that I was in. I had the geographic luxury of being, you know, starting my career in San Francisco and Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. But there were times when, I mean, like any business owner, you're always trying to keep your deal flow going. And I remember there were certainly times where I was like, oh my gosh, like, how are you going to pay your rent, your mortgage, all these things this month? And what would I do? I would go to the internet and I would literally be typing in like freelance, public relations, startup, all these things. And it was just, it would take me to like 15 different sites, like half of them you know, were job sites for marketing or other things that, you know, they'd say they were PR jobs, but they weren't. And really no one knew the difference between marketing and PR. And I also found that there were remote job sites for nearly every other industry except public relations and like hmm. specific at that time, like public relations, not even just like communications. And I thought, why, why isn't there one? Hmm. Um and I was like, maybe it's just really hard to build, you know, all my stuff has come through word of mouth. And I kind of just sat on it for honestly, a few years, I didn't really do much about it. (laughs) And I was like, well, I have to like find my work and do my job and pay my bills. And that's it. But, but you know, a great idea. Fast forward, it was 2018. And I had taken a couple months off, I was just really burnt out. But during that time, I was just thinking I was still thinking about this. When I came back, I said, you know what, I'm just gonna try and see if I can like on my own source and find 10 remote public relations jobs, like how long that actually takes me. I did it and I remember putting them all into an email and I sent it off to like 10 PR colleagues who are also freelancing. I just said, Hey, here are 10 jobs I found. Hope this is helpful for you. Great. And everyone was like, Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for sending me leads. (laughs) Right. And so I did it again the next week. I did it again the next week. And I, I did this consistently for a couple of months and it got to a point where, you know, people were like, Oh, can I get on your email? Like, how do I get on your email? Like, I forwarded this to a friend. How can I get on your email? So then at that point, I thought, okay there's something here. I'm just testing for viability. I then threw threw it into MailChimp, threw up a super basic landing page on Squarespace with an opt-in. And within the first six months, I grew this list from like zero to 600 with no marketing, no PR, nothing. And I was like, okay, there's there's something something here. here. There's (laughs) there's actually something here. And it was completely free at the time. So that's how it started. Yeah. I love that
0: you started that. I always love when people see something that's missing in the world right, and make it their mission. Like there's not this thing. This should, this should exist. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's always the best story in my opinion is that, you know, you just saw something that the world needed and made it happen. That's, Thank
2: you. Thank that's you. It's a yeah. dream, right?
0: It is. <laughs> it's so, so cool. It's so cool. You didn't even know when you launched it that it was going to be so necessary. Oh,
2: gosh, no. Of in the not. future, right? <laughs> I mean, I
0: love I love that that's how that happened. It was similar with trust relations because I started as a virtual agency and people were kind of like, huh, that's a little bit weird. And then the pandemic hit and it was like, now it's not Ta-da. even different. It's not even interesting. Totally. It's not even totally. worth mentioning, really. I mean, I mentioned it only because we were like the first ones to you know, actually be honest about the
2: fact we are virtual, right? Right. A lot of other agencies were like hiding it. We're like, no, we're fully virtual. Like it's not, it used to be part of the story arc. Oh, this is a remote thing. This is a virtual thing. And now it's just, no, it's just a job site. (laughs)
1: Right. Uh, So do you have demographic information, like in terms of, you know, how junior or senior people are, how old they are, where the geography, how long these things last, all that kind of stuff.
2: It's interesting. It's it's evolved because when it just started off as like a freelance like consulting site. It did veer more I would say more seasoned PR professionals because typically like if you're early in your career you're not looking for contract work.
1: Right. Right. And
2: typically I would say we have certain parameters. Like we don't actually don't put entry level work on there. Okay. So the stuff that you're seeing on there is going to require at least seven, eight years of experience, I would say. And and that's kind of intentional because I think it did start off as a freelance list. And typically, I mean, if you're one, two, three years out of your career, it's like, you still need the team. You still need the backbone. You're still learning. You're still, you know, cutting your chops. So I would say more by and large, um, it does veer a bit more seasoned.
1: How about from the business side, Like you said, initially, you just went out and you gathered some jobs that you saw out there and you put it in the email. Now, I suspect that not only are people paying for the list, but the companies are paying you to put their jobs in your list as well. So is it a revenue stream from both ends now?
2: I'm glad you asked that because it was, yes, until recently. And now we've just opened it up on the job side. And so it's completely free to post a job right now. My goal and my intention with this is just to put out as much work as possible. So if that takes away a barrier, you know what I mean, and allows more supply to roll in, like that's the whole point of this, right? Very cool.
0: Okay. I have another question for you because I know that you have some great PR advice for startup brands, especially those that are VC backed. And I'm super curious to hear what that's about
2: everyone says like, what's your story, right? I mean, I can't tell you how many times you get, you know, the CEO or the founder that's like, can I just hire you to get me in TechCrunch? Can I just hire you to get me in the Wall Street Journal? And I'm like, we need to back up because, what?" and just educate right now, because there are about 50 things that need to happen before we get to that point, right? The advice I would say is just like, accept the education. Want to learn, be eager and curious to learn about PR, because one, it does not work in a vacuum. And so a yeah. lot of what we do, it has to be prefaced by other things. Like, it, yes, what is your story? Okay, great. What is the messaging that we're going to go out with? But by and large, my next question is, why do you want to be in TechCrunch? Why do you want to be in the said publication, especially right. if it's not even your industry? Like you have to understand like what the actual business objective is. You know, and when I hear like, oh, it's just, you know, get press to get press, or we just want to be in tech brunch, It's like, that's not a business objective. Like, what is the point of what we're doing? Right. We are a lead, we're a lead gen tool to a degree. We're there to build brand awareness. We're there to help you get customers. We're there to help you be attractive to investors. We're there to help you, you know, get downloads, whatever. Those are all business objectives. So yeah one of the first things I always say to startups is like, why am I here? What are we trying to achieve here? Because there's a hundred different strategies, right? And I want to make sure that whatever I'm doing is laddering up to the business strategy that's actually going to move the needle on your business because then we have something to measure. Now, yes, are there things that are more nuanced like brand awareness? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I think those can work in tandem. Mm -hmm. So advice is understand what your actual business objective is for bringing this in. And two, like, have a solid understanding of what your story is or be open to working with someone to figure out what it is. I'd say the third part is being open to understanding that this cannot work in a vacuum. You have to be involved as the founder, as the CEO, and it's a very collaborative process.
0: This is a little bit of a hardball question that I get asked all the time. So I'm curious how you respond. So do you get a lot, especially with startups that are VC backed and they're new to PR and they have very demanding investors. How do you respond when they ask for ROI that is, for example, prove to me the number of clients that we acquired because of Mm -hmm. these media placements that you secured or prove to me that our sales went up because of the media placements you secured, et cetera. What's your approach to those kinds mm. of questions?
2: No, I, I get the same questions, right? I know you do. That's why I I'm get, the same, I'm get like, the same questions. Just, I'm, um, I'm
0: basically just like yeah. testing your response against mine. So this is a little <laughs> bit selfish on my part. Partly
2: want to commiserate, but I also just am curious what yeah, kind of I, what kind of capro era do you do? To like seriously? Yeah. I mean, we kind of take a step back and I explain the difference between PR and marketing first yeah. of all. Yep. That's a big part of it. And I, I agree with them. I say, you know, I understand. I understand and recognize that it can be an, a very intangible thing to measure. This is actually what I say to the startups too. I'm like, this is how I want you to use the press. And then you tell me like, I will, we'll get you a little coverage. We'll get you coverage wherever it is in, in mm-hmm. Forbes and in TechCrunch and in this and in that and all And I'm going to give this coverage to your sales team. Right. And I'm going to have you have them use it have them use it. This is like their third party validation. This is how they actually can like prove to them. Like, so then I want you to tell me how easy it is to close those deals. You know, I always ask the sales team too, especially with the startups, like how do they hear about it? How'd you hear about it? And I will say a lot of the times, like we'll get it with, from the press release or it's from the article. And when that happens, it's an amazing day. And every time that they have done that, it's been like, oh my gosh, what is this secret tool? Yeah. But now I'm Very curious cool. what you say. <laughs>
0: No, it's a little long and involved. I've been I've been working on trying to figure out how to work with them on actually being able to show some of that. Sure. By okay, so great. How are you finding out in general where your leads are coming from? Can you include PR in that, right? If it's a questionnaire, it's a form or whatever. Do you do surveys? It's gotta be a, a partnership to be able to figure out any of those things because it's not as if Somehow we have access to how your clients came to you that we can then use in our ROI. Right. Like that doesn't, There's yeah. no universe in which that's gonna happen, right? So you either need to to add us into the how did you find out about us process, and and start doing that, and or you know a number of other things, but also all the things you said about reframing it and like, okay, this is this is the earned part. Like right? this is the not, not the paid and owned. It's the credibility building part. And right you know, it doesn't have the same, right. the same tools in place. You can't use UTM tracking codes like you can in marketing and advertising, except for in press releases, right? Because that's the only place where it's not super offensive. And then beyond right. that, it's super offensive. And then you could do like vanity landing pages. Like that's another option, right? Mm-hmm. But that's again on your team. Cause then every mm-hmm. time we do announcement, you have to create a.com backslash whatever vanity page to do it. That we, yeah. That we then you, right. So it's, it's a, it's a lot of coordination Not it's not as simple as they want it to be.
2: It isn't, but I will say one thing I think that kind of helps determine that further is like, if, again, if they can get very, very clear on what their objective is, Yeah. if they can get super, super clear, this is the customer that I want. This is the customer that I want to sign up to partner with, to whatever it is. Then we can go after those very specific trades outlets, whatever that like where they're reading. And then it's a very, I don't want to say it's, it's easy. It's not an easy thing, but it's like, you can be very pinpointed in your approach as well. And I've had success with that where they've been specific enough to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm going to go exactly where these niche people are reading. And then when you do ask them, how did you hear about it? By and large, because they were, they knew what they wanted. You will get it off from people that are like, I read about it. I saw the press release, this and that, you know? Yeah. It's an art, not a science. And yeah. I feel like this is the same conversation every single year when people are talking about PR trends and everything else. How are you measuring PR? It's like, I don't know that there will ever be a black and white answer here.
0: (laughs) If there is, somebody's going to get really rich, right? (laughs) (laughs) I do. What I do want to do though, is invite you to plug anything that you are working on, want to mention to our listeners Mm -hmm. and also let people know how they can find you.
2: You can find everything that I'm working on over at andreaholland.com. I have online courses on there. I actually have a signature course on how to build your own PR consultancy. And then for anyone that wants to join the jobs list, looking for you know remote public relations and communications work, uh, we can send over a 15% off code for any of your PR wind down listeners. You can put it in the show notes and we'd love to have you part of the community.
0: I love it. Oh, it's so sweet of you. Okay. <laughs> so, so nice having you on Andrea. We really appreciate the time and the insights and we look forward to staying connected and hopefully having you back on at some future date.
2: I love it. Thank you so much, April. Thanks for Thank having you. me. Thank you. Thank okay, you. Take care. She was super nice.
0: My nose is so red. I can't see it. It doesn't look red to me. I just
1: feel like noses just jump out on these things okay my big red so nose. we have a horror story I feel like we got wc blow- fields
0: we got a horror story to blow through and yes. a closing mm-hmm. i have it i have it here if you want me okay to go it. ahead okay all right hi pr wind down i'm wondering if what i'm experiencing is normal or if i just started my career at an unlucky agency <laughs> I graduated last spring with a general communications degree and just started a small PR agency. There's only about 30 people after being in-house at some different companies doing paid internships. I know I was just an intern, but it seemed like people at the companies where I was in-house were pretty happy. Like the work-life balance was good and everyone was generally pretty pleasant to me, but I was not kept on for full time at any of those places after graduation. Fast forward. I've been at this agency for a month and it already feels weird to me. There's a lot of tension between my higher-ups, passive-aggressive comments about Mm -hmm. other managers, et cetera. And it's been hard to understand my training process because there's not a central system for doing things. My managers all use different platforms to do work and manage accounts and tasks, and they openly debate about which platforms are the best to stay organized. When I ask questions about our processes, the answer is different depending on who I ask. So, some people use Word docs and some people do everything in Google and some use task management apps and others tell me to write my own task list. And some people want to approve my work and others say they don't need to. And some people use a time tracker app and other people write things down in a spreadsheet, et cetera. It's making me feel like I can't learn how to do my job. We also just hired someone senior to me, a senior account exec. And I was told I was going to train this person. I have trained senior people at other jobs, like how to use the cash register or whatever, but like, I don't even feel like I am done being trained at this one. So I'm struggling to help train the new person. I just feel like I can't learn anything. Is it just me? Is this how agencies are? I'm really confused and unhappy. And I feel like if I get a new job, I'm worried that another agency will be just like this one. I just want to be in an agency because I know there are good places to learn about PR and work with different companies. And all my professors said this, but if they're all this messy, I don't think I can keep up. I'd like to get out soon if I'm in a bad place because I am already really stressed and exhausted and discouraged and I don't want to burn out my first real job. I need help to figure out my next move because I want to be good at this, and make a good career for myself. Thanks. Discouraged PR baby. (laughs) What a sign off. April is somebody who
1: has their own agency. What do you think of this?
0: I would say, unfortunately, this is not, Uncommon. This sounds particularly bad. Like usually, at least there's a server and a naming convention and a file saving convention, and we do things on Word or we do things on Google. Usually, it's not all of the above. It is not uncommon for them to just kind of put the onus on you to figure out your task management and not have a system for that. But in general, PR agencies are famous for infamous is the better word for being disorganized and not having procedures and not having standardized ways of doing things and just having it all kind of feel like one big pig pen cloud of confusion do you think
1: that maybe (laughs) this person trying to go to a smaller agency where there's more of a linear structure might
0: small smaller can also mean that they're in their growth phase where some of those things haven't gotten sorted. Like big agencies tend to have less of this kind of like Oh really?
1: I consulted with a number of smaller to mid agencies and I feel like everybody was pretty much using the same types of Google Docs a lot of small agencies do.
0: I think um, small and big agencies are generally the more on the organized side. Yeah. To your point, I think it's, it's the in middle. the middle. Yeah. Where things get really messy because yes. you're scaling. And it's like, you're not quite big enough to have all of the things sorted,
1: right. but you're
0: too big to do the things. Just the have way one then. person
1: calling the shots. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So you say, but at some very small agencies where this is the way you did everything. Yeah. So that didn't exist. And then at bigger agencies to what you said, I think sometimes when it was like, should we put it in Google Docs or Word or those kinds of things? It was usually based on how the client wanted it. And I hadn't used Google Docs in any real way until a few years ago when I started consulting with smaller agencies. And everybody made you start using Google Docs too, right? You didn't want, but I can't imagine not using. Right, and Slack. I can't imagine not using it. But I do work with uh, well, like an agency. My we last use agency was Word. Yeah, I work with an agency now and we use Teams. So that's Microsoft. But everybody yeah. uses it. But it usually the weird things are driven by the clients and some of like very big clients you know can't use Google Docs. So that's why big agencies that have big clients don't use Google mm-hmm. Docs. But yeah. I do think that this person being maybe they aren't a sort of small to mid-sized agency. It sounds a little more out of hand than I've heard or experienced.
0: Yeah, the the other piece of it that we didn't address yet that I think is important to look at is there's also this who's on first issue because it doesn't seem like any of the managers are aligned. Yeah. And that is very, very problematic because that is going to end up spilling down onto her because they're all going to have different expectations for their different clients and what they need her to do. I experienced that. I had multiple managers at one job and it was so confusing because I didn't know whose ass came first. Is it this manager or that manager or does the other manager or is it the fourth manager they brought in as the sub manager to help me figure out which of the manager so it's like i don't know which of these things to prioritize right and if somebody says i need you to be at media training today at two but i'm supposed to be pitching something for the other manager and their clients that's what i find so stressful so and
1: it's part of why you started your agency i think is because oh this person has time so we're going to put them on this account and this account and this account and this account and none of them are like
0: in the same industry group that's also why so something that I did to address it was had an assignments channel for each of the junior people where all of their managers have visibility into what Access. they're doing totally. and every morning they post what they're doing with their priorities and then if their managers have a disagreement mm-hmm. yeah or conflicting things they can both see and then either they can work it out amongst themselves or they can escalate it to, right. in this but case, now Lana. Right. It shouldn't be but the it, junior person's no. responsibility it's not to their, be like, mm-hmm. No, yeah. it's not their job to figure out which of the senior people in their they ass are more important. To. Yeah, that's not fair yeah. to them. So yep. that, that's actually why I did that. Should this person try to get a new job? Not yet, because it's only been so. a month, but maybe in like eight months. I think it's going to be hard on your resume. I think it's hard on your resume to do it so fast. At least six months. I say five more months. Yeah, at least six. And then start looking. Sorry. Okay. Okay. All right. So (laughs) thank you for tuning in for the PR Wind Down podcast. And thank you to Andrea
1: for joining us for a really great interview.
0: Remember to submit your own agency stories and questions and to share our show with your friends and colleagues. If you subscribe and leave us a rating, it'll help us reach new listeners like you.
1: And if you have an anonymous PR horror story of your own, please send it our way at the contact email below the episode notes.
0: And don't forget to look for the special offer code for remote PR jobs.com. If you are a freelancer, because it is in the show notes below. All right. With that, can't wait to wind down with you again next time. The 10,000 hour rule. Yes. So I was just going
1: gonna... to say that.
0: What do you have 10,000 hours of, uh, Ten thousand hours for me um well definitely p r right now singing oh nice mm, and hiking jeez, <laughs> <laughs> definitely hiking, I don't think that gets us anywhere, but <laughs> i don't i mean
1: ten thousand hours i've i've had ten thousand hours of p r for sure mhm. And eating ice cream and petting my cat. <laughs> <laughs> eating ice cream. You're an
0: expert at eating ice cream.
1: So good at it.
0: Mm-hmm. um Yeah. 10,000 hours of the PR wind down. Probably. <laughs> <laughs>